Hello, it's Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Well, it's almost Christmas time, and so today I want to talk a little bit about gift cards. You know, we're at the last minute now. People are buying holiday gifts for family and friends, and you've run out of ideas for the perfect gift, so you're just going with the gift card. Uh, The gift cards are now a $130 billion industry, and last year alone, $30 billion uh, was spent around the holidays. And here's the thing. Three billion of that thirty billion was lost to scams involving the cards. So, um, you know, there's some protections now. For example, many gift cards come in the hard cardboard packaging, or they have a warning that say, "Don't buy the card if it looks like it's been tampered with." But as a consumer, uh, you need to be very careful. And here's some steps that the FBI says you can use uh, to protect yourself when you're buying gift cards. Number one, do not buy gift cards from online auctions. So, for example, if an online site offers a $50 gift card for only $30, you should be skeptical, skeptical about that and don't buy it. Number two, Uh, If you're buying a digital gift card, which happens a lot now, be sure you're buying it directly from the seller so that way the transaction is directly from, you know, point A to point B. For example, if you buy an Amazon gift card from Amazon.com, no one else is going to have an opportunity to um, see that, copy it, use it, um, because the serial number's never been displayed in an actual store for someone to steal. Number three, be aware, be conscious of what you're buying. If the card looks like it was tampered with, don't buy it. If the site online that you're purchasing from doesn't look legit, don't put your credit card information in there. But on the other hand, number four, if you're going to make a gift card purchase, make it with a credit card. That way, if by some chance you um, have the money stolen, then you can actually file a claim with your credit card company instead of losing cash out of your bank account through a debit card. you know, having it directly taken from your account that way. Much better chance of recovering the money with a credit card. Number five, be sure that when you buy the card in the store, you activate the card at the counter. And, uh, you know, you can even ask the cashier how much is on the card once you've bought it. If you're buying preloaded cards, um, it does make it easier for scammers to drain that money before you buy the gift card so you're not even getting the money on the gift card. So be careful about that. Those are the five things that the FBI does warn about. And I do want to also mention that at this holiday season, you can give the gift of your data if you are the subject of a scam be sure to make a complaint. Report the fraud, identity theft, or even questionable questionable business practices that you are a victim of. Uh, you can report those, of course, to our own South Carolina Consumer um, Department of Consumer Affairs, but you can also report it to the FTC, who now has a program where they routinely put out a consumer protection data spotlight so that you can see what the latest scams are and and how they're working. You know, um, according to the FTC, gift cards and reload cards are now the number one reported method of payment for imposter scams. So if anyone calls you and says, oh, you can pay for this with a um, Google gift card or an iTunes gift card, don't do it.
why do scammers use the gift cards so much now? Well, two reasons, really. Number one, uh, they're anonymous. You can use them without giving any of your information except for the you know, serial number on the card. And number two, of course, once they get <clears throat> that card serial number, they can access the money and, and take it from you. And then, you know, it's very hard, of course, to reverse that. You can find out more information about this at ftc.gov. And I also want to um, mention that we'll be getting you more information about consumer protection on the 12 days of Christmas. We'll have a, a series starting on Christmas Day, which is when the traditional 12 days of Christmas begins. So be sure to stay tuned um, starting on Christmas Day to hear some uh, hopefully helpful information um, to protect you as a consumer. This has been Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Today I want to talk about trading in your car to get a new car and the negative uh, equity situation. So sometimes a car dealer will advertise, we'll pay off your loan no matter how much you owe. Well, um, in that case, you may owe more on your car than it's worth, meaning you have negative equity. And so that promise to pay off your entire loan might be misleading. So, for example, maybe you want to trade in your car for a newer model. Your loan payoff is $18,000, but your car is only worth $15,000. So, you have negative equity of $3,000. And that has to be paid off in full when you trade in your vehicle. So, if the dealer promises to pay off the $3,000, it shouldn't be included in your new car loan. But some dealers do <clears throat> add the $3,000 to the loan for your new car, deduct the amount from your down payment, or do both things. In either case, that's going to increase your monthly payment. Not only would the $3,000 be added to the principal, but you would also be financing it or paying additional interest on it. So understanding how that negative equity situation works in a trade-in um, of your vehicle situation will help you hopefully make a better informed choice about purchasing and financing a car and help you identify whether the claim in that car ad that promises to pay off your loan is really true or not. You know, federal law does require that before you sign a contract to finance the purchase of a car, the dealer has to give you certain disclosures about the cost of that credit. So read those disclosures and look for the details about that down payment and the amount financed. Be sure that you understand how your negative equity in that trade-in is going to be treated before you sign the contract. Otherwise, you may wind up paying a whole lot more than what you were thinking. You can figure out what your uh, current car is worth <clears throat> before negotiating that purchase of a new car by visiting the NADA uh, guide or the National Automobile Dealers Association or the Kelly Blue Book. So keep that in mind when you're going to buy that new car and always remember that you should read the fine print, and understand those terms and conditions. This has been Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer. Well, today I want to talk about um, uh, IRS problem with scammers. In other words, um, people who are um, professional scam artists and they call pretending to be the IRS or maybe the Taxpayer Assistance Center of the IRS is continuing to happen quite a bit and when I talk to friends and family and clients and others and I bring up this question I find that just about everybody that I talk to um, this has happened to. Now sometimes it's a live person Sometimes it's a recording, <clears throat> but either way, you've got to watch out for this being a scam, especially if you know for sure that you don't owe the IRS uh, any money. So I'm going to play for you a call that I got saying that I was in trouble with the IRS. got the same call asking me to call this number about three times in the last week. So, uh, listen up. For tax filings from the headquarters of the IRS, which will get expired in next 24 working hours. And once it gets expired after that, you will be taken under custody by the federal officers, as there are four serious allegations pressed on your name at this moment. We would request you to get back to us so that we can discuss about this case before taking any legal action against you. The number to reach us is... So yeah, that could be a little scary if you uh, didn't know that it was a scam. Uh, so don't be a victim. And just think about, um, even though the IRS does use private debt collectors now, they still will never call to demand immediate payment over the phone. Um, nor will they call about taxes that are owed without having first at least ma mailed you a bill to notify you that you do owe. They will never threaten to immediately bring in local police or other law enforcement groups as this recording did um, and certainly will not threaten to have you arrested for not paying. Uh, they also are not going to demand that you pay the taxes without giving you the opportunity to um, you know, to question or appeal that you owe this. Um, they're not going to require you to make uh, use of a specific method of payment. You know, in other words, um, demanding that you pay in a certain way, like from a bank account, which can cause you all kinds of other problems when somebody that's a scammer gets into your bank account. And typically they're not going to ask for credit or debit card numbers over the phone. So here's some things um, that you should do if you get a suspicious phone call or message uh, like the one that I got. Uh, first, uh, if you do receive a call from someone claiming to be from the IRS and you don't owe a tax that you know of, um, and, or if you're just immediately aware that it's a scam, like listening to that message that I had, you should certainly know immediately that it's a scam. Of course, some people don't. But don't engage with the scammer. Um, don't give him any information. Don't even say, hey, I don't owe the IRS any money, because that just gives him a chance to start talking to you and getting a conversation going. Just hang up. It's okay to hang up the phone. Um, if you get a telephone message um, from someone claiming to be from the IRS and you're, or you're immediately aware it's a scam, don't call them back when they leave a number like the one did on that message that I got. Um, if you do think that you owe a tax, if you get a call from someone claiming to be from the IRS, you can call the IRS directly, 1-800-829-1040, <clears throat> and then you can discuss your own your particular situation. 
Also, there's an office called the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, and you can report a scam there. Um, they have a form on the website uh, of the IRS.gov. Um, you can also report the scam to the Federal Trade Commission at FTC.gov. So keep your personal information safe by remaining alert. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and I'm bringing you consumer law information on the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the third day of Christmas, December 27th. On the third day of Christmas, your info gift is a warning about the three main types of telephone scams. So... You know, every year thousands of consumers lose money to telephone scams. Um, Now, there are legitimate companies who will attempt to contact you by phone, offering products and services. But con artists, scammers, are using the phone as a tool to commit fraud. These scams can take many forms, but they do share that common element of basically trying to separate you from your money or compromise your personal information somehow. So here's the three main types of telephone scams. Number one, the lottery or sweepstakes scam. So the pitch is when the scam artist calls you, they say you've won a lottery out of some foreign country. Um, Sometimes they'll use the name of a well-known superstore or home improvement store and say that you've been entered into a drawing every time you shop there and you're the winner. Usually the scammer will ask you to wire or send money in order to receive your prize. Um, Now, how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never send money to claim a prize, especially through a wire transfer. You know, wiring money uh, somewhere is just like sending cash. You're really not going to ever get it back, even if you can prove a scam. Uh, often the scam scammer is going to say, well, we need the money for insurance or taxes or some kind of shipping and handling charges. Just remember, legit lotteries or sweepstakes don't ask you to send money in order to collect your prize. Okay, the second uh, typical telephone scam is like a debt collection scam. So they'll call, they'll act like a debt collector, tell you an amount of money that you supposedly owe. Um, Quite often they will pretend to be from a state or federal agency or even from some sort of uh, law enforcement agency. This is to gain your trust or to scare you. Uh, so the scammer will ask you to pay some fraction of this amount that you supposedly owe and pay it immediately over the phone. And in exchange for that, the whole rest of the debt will be forgiven. Now, typically these folks are are trying to intimidate a consumer, um, use threats to get the consumer uh, to pay, and they'll likely offer the debt settlement but make it seem to be very time-sensitive. In other words, if you don't make the payment right then, you'll have to pay the entire thing, and they won't ever offer you this opportunity again. Okay, so how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never give your credit card number or banking information to someone you don't know. Government officials are not going to call you asking for money or attempting to collect a credit card or a loan debt, okay? They're doing government work. So hang up and call the department that they are supposedly calling from to let them know about the scam and find out if it's really legit. 
you know, debt collectors have to comply with federal law when they're trying to collect debt. Um, and part of that law requires them to send you um, a letter about the debt. So just if someone calls you with this kind of a scam, ask them to send you something in writing so that you can verify it. And, of course, usually you won't get it and you'll never get that call again. Okay, scam number three is what we call the imposter scam. These um, folks will often use an official or, you know, nationally recognized name or some kind of variation on it to make their story seem legit or to kind of confuse you. They'll pose as your bank and ask for personal or banking information, supposedly to verify or maybe reactivate your credit or debit account. And they'll say, by way of explanation, that this information is needed in order to reverse some fraudulent charge or error that has resulted in your card being blocked. Uh, Another spin on that can sometimes be that they're posing to be a friend uh, of a family member who's in trouble and needs money. Um, the trouble, you know, is often ranges from car problems all the way to being in jail. Instead of your personal banking information, this time the caller wants you to wire money immediately to assist your loved one. Okay, so how to avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, of course, again... Don't give your personal information or otherwise verify your bank or credit card information over the phone. Banks and credit unions don't call you asking for this information. So instead, hang up the phone, dial up your bank or your credit card company directly, and tell them about the call and see if anything's really going on that's legit. And before you send money to a caller that is insisting your family member or friend needs it, contact somebody who could verify that this is really true or who, on the other hand, could debunk the whole story. And quite often a red flag on these is going to be that they'll tell you, oh, but don't tell anybody about the call or the person will, you know, the loved one will get in worse trouble. So those are your three typical telephone scams and how to avoid them for your info gift on the third day of Christmas. Keep in mind, the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs has this and more information about scams for you on their website at www.consumer.sc.gov. And stay tuned for the fourth day of Christmas tomorrow, December 28th. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and this is the second day of Christmas. I'm giving you uh, consumer information on each of the 12 days of Christmas. That's December 25th through January 6th. Today is December 26th, the second day of Christmas. Now, on the first day of Christmas, I gave you the gift of information on the one most important thing in consumer protection law, and that is the importance of reading the contract. Now, on the second day of Christmas, today, the gift of information is the two types of debt, um, secured debt and unsecured debt. So first, let's take secured debt. That's when you borrow money or get a loan and you put up or pledge collateral to secure the loan. So when you get a mortgage loan on a house, for example, you're pledging that property, that house, as collateral for the loan. The property gives the lender security that you'll pay back the loan. If you don't, they will take the house back, sell it, and put that money towards your loan balance. Same is true for a car loan. 
payment is usually secured by pledging the car as collateral. If you don't pay the loan as agreed, the lender will take back the car, sell it, and put that money toward the car loan balance. Um, and in South Carolina, with a mortgage, that's called foreclosure. With a car, it's called repossession. The second kind of un, uh, debt we'll talk about is unsecured debt. An unsecured debt is one where the lender has no protection against your failure to pay as agreed. There's no guarantee, uh, there's no collateral or property that can be taken from you if you don't pay the debt. So credit card debt, uh, department store accounts, medical bills, those are some typical types of unsecured debt. The distinction between secured and unsecured debt is important because with one, your property is at risk because it's securing that loan and can be taken from you if you don't pay. With the other, you aren't risking specific property that you have um, pledged as collateral. But remember, if you get behind on the unsecured debt, don't turn it into secured debt. That most often happens when um, a lender offers a loan to consolidate your credit card debt, for example. A consolidation loan uh, takes all your credit card payments, puts them into one payment that'll be lower uh, with a lower interest rate, but they usually require that you put up collateral, typically a second mortgage on your home. So uh, watch out for that consolidation loan, which can turn unsecured debt into secured debt and endanger or put your property at risk. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and that was your gift of information on the second day of Christmas. Stay tuned tomorrow for the third day of Christmas when we'll... I'll be providing a gift of information with the number three. Take care. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I'm at Ingalls Angle, and it's December 26th, 2018. I'm giving you consumer information on each of the 12 days of Christmas, which is from December 25th till January 6th. Now, on the first day of Christmas, I gave you the info gift of the one most important thing in consumer protection law, and that is to always read the contract in terms and conditions. Now, on the second day of Christmas today, the info gift is the two types of debt, secured debt and unsecured debt. So first, secured debt is when you borrow money, you know, get a loan, and you put up or pledge collateral to secure the loan. So for example, when you get a mortgage loan on a house, you're pledging the property or the house as collateral. And that property gives the lender security that you will pay back the loan. If you don't pay back the loan, they will take the house back and sell it and put that money uh, towards the loan balance. Same is true for a car loan. Payment is usually secured by pledging the car as the collateral. So if you don't pay the loan as agreed, the lender will take back the car, sell it, and put that money towards the car loan balance. So with a mortgage in South Carolina, it's um, that's foreclosure. And with a car, it's repossession. Um, number two is unsecured debt. That is, um, an unsecured debt is one where the lender really has no protection against your failure to pay. Um, there's not anyone guaranteeing the loan, and there's no collateral or you know, property that can be taken from you if you don't pay the debt. So um, credit card debt, department store accounts, 
medical bills. These are the typical types of unsecured debt that we see. The distinction between secured and unsecured debt is important because with one, your property is at risk. Um, It's securing that loan. And with the other, you aren't really um, risking specific um, property that's been pledged as collateral, um, which is, of course, the unsecured debt. But do remember that if you get behind on an unsecured debt, such as credit card, medical bill, etc., don't turn it into secured debt where your property can become at risk. That most often happens when lenders offer loans to consolidate your credit card debt, for example. Uh, they say, oh, you can consolidation loan, you take all your credit card payments and put them into one uh, much lower payment with a lower interest rate. But typically, those loans require you to put up collateral, usually a second mortgage on your house. So if you've got unsecured debt, keep it unsecured. So that is the second day of Christmas, the two types of debt, secured and unsecured. This has been Susan Ingalls. I'm at Ingalls Angle, and tomorrow will be the third day of Christmas, so stay tuned to see what the three things are, the three info gifts of information. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And the 12 days of Christmas starts today, December 25th. So for 12 days, I will bring you 12 gifts of information on consumer law. Today, on the first day of Christmas, I'm bringing you the one most important thing to do when it comes to your consumer rights. And that is, read the contract before you sign it. That's right. Whether you're buying a car, getting a loan, opening a bank account, signing up for a cell phone account, a credit card, or even a mortgage, read the terms and conditions. You know, unfortunately, most people don't read the fine print, even when it is literally in print on paper. And that problem has really become worse with the whole click-to-accept design that is now the norm in the digital age. Of course, I realize that even if you wanted to fully read a contract before you sign it, that may just or be just as burdensome as losing your rights to data and legal recourse, which happens when you sign any contract. In fact, one recent study showed that reading the average American's digital contracts would take nearly 20 Um, 250 hours per year. That's almost five hours a week. So a lot of time. But next time you're signing an agreement, whether in print or online, take the time to read some or even all of it so you can at least get a sense of what you're giving up when you make that one click to agree to the terms and conditions. So this has been Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And on the first day of Christmas, the information I give to you is read the terms and conditions. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle and I'm bringing you consumer law information on the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the third day of Christmas, December 27th. On the third day of Christmas, your info gift is a warning about the three main types of telephone scams. 
So, you know, every year thousands of consumers lose money to telephone scams. Um, now, there are legitimate companies who will attempt to contact you by phone, offering products and services, but con artists, scammers, are using the phone as a tool to commit fraud. These scams can take many forms, but they do share that common element of basically trying to separate you from your money or compromise your personal information somehow. So here's the three main types of telephone scams. Number one, the lottery or sweepstakes scam. So the pitch is when the scam artist calls you, they say you've won a lottery out of some foreign country. Um, sometimes they'll use the name of a well-known uh, superstore or home improvement store and say that you've been entered into a drawing every time you shop there and you're the winner. Usually the scammer will ask you to wire or send money in order to receive your prize. Um, now, how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never send money to claim a prize, especially through a wire transfer. You know, wiring money uh, somewhere is just like sending cash. You're really not going to ever get it back, even if you can prove a scam. Uh, often the scam scammer is going to say, well, we need the money for insurance or taxes or some kind of shipping and handling charges. Just remember, legit lotteries or sweepstakes don't ask you to send money in order to collect your prize. Okay, the second uh, typical telephone scam is like a debt collection scam. So they'll call, they'll act like a debt collector, tell you an amount of money that you supposedly owe. Um, quite often they will pretend to be from a state or federal agency or even from some sort of uh, law enforcement agency. This is to gain your trust or to scare you. Uh, so the scammer will ask you to pay some fraction of this amount that you supposedly owe and pay it immediately over the phone. And in exchange for that, the whole rest of the debt will be forgiven. Now, typically these folks are, are trying to intimidate a consumer, um, use threats to get the consumer uh, to pay, and they'll likely offer the debt settlement but make it seem to be very time-sensitive. In other words, if you don't make the payment right then, you'll have to pay the entire thing, and they won't ever offer you this opportunity again. Okay, so how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never give your credit card number or banking information to someone you don't know. Government officials are not going to call you asking for money or attempting to collect a credit card or a loan debt, okay? They're doing government work. So hang up and call the department that they are supposedly calling from to let them know about the scam and find out if it's really legit. You know, debt collectors have to comply with federal law when they're trying to collect debt, um, Part of that law requires them to send you um, a letter about the debt. So just if someone calls you with this kind of a scam, ask them to send you something in writing so that you can verify it. And of course, usually you won't get it and you'll never get that call again. Okay, scam number three is what we call the imposter scam. These um, folks will often use an official or, you know, nationally recognized name or some kind of variation on it to make their story seem legit or to kind of confuse you. 
They'll pose as your bank and ask for personal or banking information, supposedly to verify or maybe reactivate your credit or debit account. And they'll say, by way of explanation, that this information is needed in order to reverse some fraudulent charge or error that has resulted in your card being blocked. Uh, Another spin on that can sometimes be that they're posing to be a friend uh, of a family member who's in trouble and needs money. Um, The trouble, you know, often ranges from car problems all the way to being in jail. Instead of your personal banking information, this time the caller wants you to wire money immediately to assist your loved one. Okay, so how to avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, of course, again, don't give your personal information or otherwise verify your bank or credit card information over the phone. Banks and credit unions don't call you asking for this information. So instead, hang up the phone, dial up your bank or your credit card company directly, and tell them about the call and see if anything's really going on that's legit. And before you send money to a caller that is insisting your family member or friend needs it, contact somebody who could verify that this is really true or who, on the other hand, could debunk the whole story. And quite often, a red flag on these is going to be that they'll tell you, oh, but don't tell anybody about the call, or the person will, you know, the loved one will get in worse trouble. So those are your three typical telephone scams and how to avoid them for your info gift on the third day of Christmas. Keep in mind, the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs has this and more information about scams for you on their website at www.consumer.sc.gov. And stay tuned for the fourth day of Christmas tomorrow, December 28th. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and I'm bringing you consumer law information on the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the third day of Christmas, December 27th. On the third day of Christmas, your info gift is a warning about the three main types of telephone scams. So, you know, every year thousands of consumers lose money to telephone scams. Um, Now, there are legitimate companies who will attempt to contact you by phone offering products and services, but con artists, scammers, are using the phone as a tool to commit fraud. These scams can take many forms, but they do share that common element of basically trying to separate you from your money or compromise your personal information somehow. So here's the three main types of telephone scams. Number one, the lottery or sweepstakes scam. So the pitch is when the scam artist calls you, they say you've won a lottery out of some foreign country. Um, Sometimes they'll use the name of a well-known superstore or home improvement store and say that you've been entered into a drawing every time you shop there and you're the winner. Usually the scammer will ask you to wire or send money in order to receive your prize. Um, Now, how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never send money to claim a prize, especially through a wire transfer. You know, wiring money uh, somewhere is just like sending cash. You're really not going to ever get it back, even if you can prove a scam. Uh, 
often the scam scammer is going to say, well, we need the money for insurance or taxes or some kind of shipping and handling charges. Just remember, legit lotteries or sweepstakes don't ask you to send money in order to collect your prize. Okay, the second uh, typical telephone scam is like a debt collection scam. So they'll call, they'll act like a debt collector, tell you an amount of money that you supposedly owe. Um, Quite often they will pretend to be from a state or federal agency or even from some sort of uh, law enforcement agency. This is to gain your trust or to scare you. Uh, So the scammer will ask you to pay some fraction of this amount that you supposedly owe and pay it immediately over the phone. And in exchange for that, the whole rest of the debt will be forgiven. Now, typically these folks are are trying to intimidate a consumer, um, use threats to get the consumer uh, to pay, and they'll likely offer the debt settlement but make it seem to be very time-sensitive. In other words, if you don't make the payment right then, you'll have to pay the entire thing, and they won't ever offer you this opportunity again. Okay, so how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never give your credit card number or banking information to someone you don't know. Government officials are not going to call you asking for money or attempting to collect a credit card or a loan debt, okay? They're doing government work. So hang up and call the department that they are supposedly calling from to let them know about the scam and find out if it's really legit. You know, debt collectors have to comply with federal law when they're trying to collect debt. Um, And part of that law requires them to send you um, a letter about the debt. So just if someone calls you with this kind of a scam, ask them to send you something in writing so that you can verify it. And of course, usually you won't get it and you'll never get that call again. Okay, scam number three is what we call the imposter scam. These um, folks will often use an official or you know nationally recognized name or some kind of variation on it to make their story seem legit or to kind of confuse you. They'll pose as your bank and ask for personal or banking information, supposedly to verify or maybe reactivate your credit or debit account. And they'll say by way of explanation that this information is needed in order to reverse some fraudulent charge or error that has resulted in your card being blocked. Uh, Another spin on that can sometimes be that they're posing to be a friend uh, of a family member who's in trouble and needs money. Um, The trouble, you know, often ranges from car problems all the way to being in jail. Instead of your personal banking information, this time the caller wants you to wire money immediately to assist your loved one. Okay, so how to avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, of course, again, don't give your personal information or otherwise verify your bank or credit card information over the phone. Banks and credit unions don't call you asking for this information. So instead, hang up the phone, dial up your bank or your credit card company directly, and tell them about the call and see if anything's really going on that's legit. And before you send money to a caller that is insisting your family member or friend needs it, contact somebody who could verify that this is really true or who, on the other hand, could debunk the whole story. And 
quite often a red flag on these is going to be that they'll tell you, oh, but don't tell anybody about the call or the person will, you know, the loved one will get in worse trouble. So those are your three typical telephone scams and how to avoid them for your info gift on the third day of Christmas. Keep in mind, the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs has this and more information about scams for you on their website at www.consumer.sc.gov. And stay tuned for the fourth day of Christmas tomorrow, December 28th. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and I'm bringing you consumer law information on the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the third day of Christmas, December 27th. On the third day of Christmas, your info gift is a warning about the three main types of telephone scams. So... You know, every year thousands of consumers lose money to telephone scams. Um, Now, there are legitimate companies who will attempt to contact you by phone offering products and services. But con artists, scammers, are using the phone as a tool to commit fraud. These scams can take many forms, but they do share that common element of basically trying to separate you from your money or compromise your personal information somehow. So here's the three main types of telephone scams. Number one, the lottery or sweepstakes scam. So the pitch is when the scam artist calls you, they say you've won a lottery out of some foreign country. Um, Sometimes they'll use the name of a well-known superstore or home improvement store and say that you've been entered into a drawing every time you shop there and you're the winner. Usually the scammer will ask you to wire or send money in order to receive your prize. Um, Now, how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never send money to claim a prize, especially through a wire transfer. You know, wiring money uh, somewhere is just like sending cash. You're really not going to ever get it back, even if you can prove a scam. Uh, often the scam scammer is going to say, well, we need the money for insurance or taxes or some kind of shipping and handling charges. Just remember, legit lotteries or sweepstakes don't ask you to send money in order to collect your prize. Okay, the second uh, typical telephone scam is like a debt collection scam. So they'll call, they'll act like a debt collector, tell you an amount of money that you supposedly owe. Um, Quite often they will pretend to be from a state or federal agency or even from some sort of uh, law enforcement agency. This is to gain your trust or to scare you. Uh, so the scammer will ask you to pay some fraction of this amount that you supposedly owe and pay it immediately over the phone. And in exchange for that, the whole rest of the debt will be forgiven. Now, typically these folks are are trying to intimidate a consumer, um, use threats to get the consumer uh, to pay, And they'll likely offer the debt settlement, but make it seem to be very time sensitive. In other words, if you don't make the payment right then, you'll have to pay the entire thing. And they won't ever offer you this opportunity again. Okay, so how do you avoid this 
and not succumb to the scam. Well, first of all, never give your credit card number or banking information to someone you don't know. Government officials are not going to call you asking for money or attempting to collect a credit card or a loan debt, okay? They're doing government work. So hang up and call the department that they are supposedly calling from to let them know about the scam and find out if it's really legit. You know, debt collectors have to comply with federal law when they're trying to collect debt. Um, And part of that law requires them to send you um, a letter about the debt. So just if someone calls you with this kind of a scam, ask them to send you something in writing so that you can verify it. And, of course, usually you won't get it and you'll never get that call again. Okay, scam number three is what we call the imposter scam. These um, folks will often use an official or, you know, nationally recognized name or some kind of variation on it to make their story seem legit or to kind of confuse you. They'll pose as your bank and ask for personal or banking information, supposedly to verify or maybe reactivate your credit or debit account. And they'll say, by way of explanation, that this information is needed in order to reverse some fraudulent charge or error that has resulted in your card being blocked. Uh, Another spin on that can sometimes be that they're posing to be a friend uh, of a family member who's in trouble and needs money. Um, The trouble, you know, often ranges from car problems all the way to being in jail. Instead of your personal banking information, this time the caller wants you to wire money immediately to assist your loved one. Okay, so how to avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, of course, again... Don't give your personal information or otherwise verify your bank or credit card information over the phone. Banks and credit unions don't call you asking for this information. So instead, hang up the phone, dial up your bank or your credit card company directly, and tell them about the call and see if anything's really going on that's legit. And before you send money to a caller that is insisting your family member or friend needs it, contact somebody who could verify that this is really true or who, on the other hand, could debunk the whole story. And quite often a red flag on these is going to be that they'll tell you, oh, but don't tell anybody about the call or the person will, you know, the loved one will get in worse trouble. So those are your three typical telephone scams and how to avoid them for your info gift on the third day of Christmas. Keep in mind, the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs has this and more information about scams for you on their website at www.consumer.sc.gov. And stay tuned for the fourth day of Christmas tomorrow, December 28th. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and I'm bringing you consumer law information on the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the third day of Christmas, December 27th. On the third day of Christmas, your info gift is a warning about the three main types of telephone scams. So... You know, every year thousands of consumers lose money to telephone scams. Um, Now, there are legitimate companies who will attempt to contact you by phone offering products and services, but con artists, scammers, are using the phone as a tool to commit fraud. 
These scams can take many forms, but they do share that common element of basically trying to separate you from your money or compromise your personal information somehow. So here's the three main types of telephone scams. Number one, the lottery or sweepstakes scam. So the pitch is when the scam artist calls you, they say you've won a lottery out of some foreign country. Um, Sometimes they'll use the name of a well-known superstore or home improvement store and say that you've been entered into a drawing every time you shop there and you're the winner. Usually the scammer will ask you to wire or send money in order to receive your prize. Um, Now, how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never send money to claim a prize, especially through a wire transfer. You know, wiring money uh, somewhere is just like sending cash. You're really not going to ever get it back, even if you can prove a scam. Uh, often the scam scammer is going to say, well, we need the money for insurance or taxes or some kind of shipping and handling charges. Just remember, legit lotteries or sweepstakes don't ask you to send money in order to collect your prize. Okay, the second uh, typical telephone scam is like a debt collection scam. So they'll call, they'll act like a debt collector, tell you an amount of money that you supposedly owe. Um, Quite often they will pretend to be from a state or federal agency or even from some sort of uh, law enforcement agency. This is to gain your trust or to scare you. Uh, so the scammer will ask you to pay some fraction of this amount that you supposedly owe and pay it immediately over the phone. And in exchange for that, the whole rest of the debt will be forgiven. Now, typically these folks are are trying to intimidate a consumer, um, use threats to get the consumer uh, to pay, and they'll likely offer the debt settlement but make it seem to be very time-sensitive. In other words, if you don't make the payment right then, you'll have to pay the entire thing, and they won't ever offer you this opportunity again. Okay, so how do you avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, first of all, never give your credit card number or banking information to someone you don't know. Government officials are not going to call you asking for money or attempting to collect a credit card or a loan debt, okay? They're doing government work. So hang up and call the department that they are supposedly calling from to let them know about the scam and find out if it's really legit. You know, debt collectors have to comply with federal law when they're trying to collect debt, Um Part of that law requires them to send you um, a letter about the debt. So just if someone calls you with this kind of a scam, ask them to send you something in writing so that you can verify it. And of course, usually you won't get it and you'll never get that call again. Okay, scam number three is what we call the imposter scam. These um, folks will often use an official or, you know, nationally recognized name or some kind of variation on it to make their story seem legit or to kind of confuse you. They'll pose as your bank and ask for personal or banking information, supposedly to verify or maybe reactivate your credit or debit account. And they'll say, by way of explanation, that this information is needed in order to reverse some fraudulent charge or error that has resulted in your card being blocked. 
another spin on that can sometimes be that they're posing to be a friend uh, of a family member who's in trouble and needs money. Um, the trouble, you know, is often ranges from car problems all the way to being in jail. Instead of your personal banking information, this time the caller wants you to wire money immediately to assist your loved one. Okay, so how to avoid this and not succumb to the scam? Well, of course, again, don't give your personal information or otherwise verify your bank or credit card information over the phone. Banks and credit unions don't call you asking for this information. So instead, hang up the phone, dial up your bank or your credit card company directly, and tell them about the call and see if anything's really going on that's legit. And before you send money to a caller that is insisting your family member or friend needs it, contact somebody who could verify that this is really true or who, on the other hand, could debunk the whole story. And quite often, a red flag on these is going to be that they'll tell you, oh, but don't tell anybody about the call, or the person will, you know, the loved one will get in worse trouble. So those are your three typical telephone scams and how to avoid them for your info gift on the third day of Christmas. Keep in mind, the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs has this and more information about scams for you on their website at www.consumer.sc.gov. And stay tuned for the fourth day of Christmas tomorrow, December 28th. Thanks for tuning in.